Well, hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan, joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. Connor, how was week two, bud? It was solid. Um, I was tilting. I lost like three or four props by like less than five yards. And it's one of those reasons I hate betting unders. Like, you know, that, that last Adam Humphreys catch just had me going nuts. And it almost ruined my day, but, you know, still still made some money on some other bets. So we're okay. Uh, you're a brave man. Yeah, unders are typically the way to go. I know we don't get to talk about a lot of props in the show because they're out. They're not out yet. But uh, we do get uh, a fun one for Thursday nights. We'll put that at the end of the show for the listeners. Um, you know, Connor's always resistant. In case we suck on our Thursday night analysis, we don't want to start the pod. We just bury it at the, bot- at the end of the show sheet. So we'll have that for you. Uh, a little bit of a home game for us this week. Our guest is, uh, you can't get more than a friend of the show here. Um, I guess the director of DFS here for 444.com, his DFS MVP pod, weekly must listen for me, has been for years, back in the day, uh, none other than TJ Hernandez himself. Welcome back to the show, brother. What's up, boys? Thanks for having me back. Um, I didn't uh, play any props in week two because I live in California and I only wager legally, wink, wink. Uh, so <laughs> I was only playing DFS, uh, but it's good to see you guys. For sure, man. Thanks for joining us. It's- Always a good talk shop with you for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the stuff going on at four for four. I know we've, you know, obviously Connor and I have been a part of, you know, laying out some betting stuff. I know we have yeah. a really cool active subscriber only discord chat. So talk to the listeners a little bit about all that stuff. Yeah, no, I'm super stoked to have you guys on uh, doing this show and just doing betting content in general that as well as the monkey knife fight. A lot of people have been digging that there's a little bit of uh, overlap with monkey knife fight and props, obviously, but uh, doing all that has been fun um, just because obviously uh, the betting landscape is growing. I think right before we started, we just saw uh, Tennessee get DraftKings and FanDuel. So that's pretty exciting. That just makes the market that much bigger. Um, and then you mentioned the discord. I mean, we haven't changed a ton uh, on the DFS side of things, like kind of stick with what works. So, you know, we have a, we have a good product, great projections, obviously. I'm really happy with our content, but, uh, the Discord has kind of changed the game. I mean, uh, DFS, it's so fluid, uh, not even day to day, hour to hour. And like, you can only put so much in, in an article and you can only do so much with the lineup generator. Uh, so like having everybody, talking shop and and uh and just me being able to put my ideas out there and see if they're even good ideas bounce them off we have really smart subs you know so i learn as much from those guys as as anything um so it's just a super dynamic uh uh place now with with the discord and it's already showing uh, the, the the fruits already showing. We had a lot of people uh, come up big. I had a nice little score on Yahoo. Took down a, a eight hundred man tournament. We had a user uh, bink a twenty k tournament. A couple other guys with four or five k returns. Um, nice. Late night, get everybody getting on on Aaron Jones and the Bills. Like Saturday late night, all of us just uh, just sh- talking shop, and and that's where we ended up. And a lot of us made money, so it's fun, man. Awesome. So definitely, if you are a subscriber. If not check that out, definitely do so. I know you can hit up um, you know, all of us for a link to get started if you were not part of the DFS package. Our betting content, this show is free, but all the betting content is under the DFS subscription. So definitely want to check this out. I want to talk a little bit in our wake and take section about just what a friggin' bloodbath week two was. Um, never seen anything like that before. If you're grinding the season-long streets, it was obviously a busy you know, waiver wire period for you last week. But uh, what do we make of that, TJ? I mean, is that, do you think this is, obviously we're dealing with COVID and all the unknowns that come up with that. And you think this is just a matter of 
lack of preseason, lack of padded practices. What do you take out of that week? Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to to see the actual data um, because uh, one one pod that I follow a lot is the ETR guys and Levitan made a point that like it's a lot of guys that are in fantasy. You know, if if it was ten defensive linemen, ten offensive linemen, ten linebackers, how much would it be making the news? Like, are the rates that much higher? Um, I would guess they are. Like, I don't know the numbers, but uh, I mean, as far as as we're concerned, it, it's um, I mean, it's I, I I would guess that if we're guessing a reason that, yeah, I mean, these guys, they're not prepared like they normally are for a season. Um, I mean, it, it takes a lot of work to get ready to get uh, the hell beat out of you week in and week out. Um, and then having stadiums like New York, where it just sounds like the turf is a mess, doesn't help the cause. Uh, but I mean, from for what we do, you guys doing the, the props, myself doing DFS, um, it's just take the new information and, and, uh, try to maximize that information like it in a redraft setting uh it can ruin your season and that's why i love dfs and props uh because we can uh we can just benefit right away right we could change up our whole game uh and and i mean it's we're gonna see that i know this is a betting pod but we're gonna see how that changes things already this week like all of a sudden last week we were rostering two three expensive running backs in cash games now like all the expensive running backs are dead, so we can't use them anymore. <laughs> uh, so it's just like now everybody thought they knew how to play DFS last week that won. Now the whole game's turned on its head. Like now show me that you know how to still find value when you don't just start the the top three running backs in the game. So um, I think it, I, I don't want to say like fun in light of injuries, but uh, it, it lets skill show through. Like if you're doing your homework, um, this shouldn't affect what you're, how good you are at what we do. No, that's a good point. Um, you know, we definitely from a betting side too. I mean, they, you make an interesting point around is it just because it was skill position players. Does it seem like it was a spike? But, you know, obviously some of those things go under the radar in the betting content space because those injuries would matter if they're offensive, defensive line, defensive right. secondary. Those things definitely move the needle for sure. But that was, that was interesting. Connor and I have a couple of high stakes leagues together and man, we just took an absolute bath on a couple of squads and it's, it's rough. It's rough. This is why I yeah, remember I, why not to play season long. Oh man, I I'm not even. I don't check my my best ball teams until like week fourteen. Anyway, I'm not even thinking about looking at those things right now. Yeah, it's it's a mess. So, well, we just want to let you know too before we jump into the week. We've expanded the uh, ways in which you can consume move the line this year. Obviously, podcast form. Uh, we are doing it as well here, streaming on uh, Periscope for four for four. Also doing that on Twitch and the YouTube page as well. So just want to thank you for continuing to tune in, finding different ways to uh, make money with us every week. So last week was really interesting. We had a ton of games that were seven and a half point favorites to 10 point favorites. It was like a, just a a masterful teaser type week. And this week's different, uh, very different. We really just have one game with a, uh, a spread above a touchdown. So let's unpack the week here. We'll get started with the Texans on the road against the Steelers. Steelers four-point favorites here at home. Look ahead lines. Had this at five and a half. It's moved Houston's way, despite a majority of both total bets and money backing the Steelers in this one. Brutal schedule to start the season for the Texans, obviously starting with uh, the home opener at KC, hosting Baltimore. Now they got to travel to Pittsburgh. Uh, what are your thoughts here, TJ? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to like tend towards favoring good quarterbacks and good offenses. And I mean, like you said, uh, Texans started with, the most brutal schedule in the league. Arguably, they had to face uh, the two best teams in the league. 
but I mean, it doesn't really get easier. I mean, the Steelers aren't anywhere as close to as good as, as the Ravens or the chiefs. Um, but this is like th- the biggest mitch- mismatch we'll see all year um, in terms of line play. Uh uh, the Steelers, I believe, uh, Sports Info Solutions has them ranked first in pressure rate. And then we know the Texans just always have trouble blocking Deshaun Watson. Deshaun doesn't help the cause uh, himself, just scrambling around. It's usually we're not like hanging our hat on a wide receiver's health. But uh, like Will Fuller, if if he's not there, I think it's just a situation where like Steelers can just bracket Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has actually been running way deeper routes than Will Fuller this year. But uh, if, if they can just take him away, like it could be a bloodbath. So I'm kind of surprised to see that. I didn't, I didn't realize that the line had moved that much in favor of Houston. Um, I mean, they're, they just kind of seem out of sync. And like I think they can get toasted in this game. Yeah, Blitzburg, full effect here. Uh, they are leading the league pressure rate about 62% of the time. Uh, their blitz rate is insane, too. And you mentioned the offensive line issues for, for Houston, allowing the second highest pressure rate in the league so far. Uh, Connor, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Fuller's going to play. He was not on the injury report at all today. So, I mean, that's a good sign for him. But I, I tend to agree. My leaning here is Pittsburgh. Um Personally, I think this is, should be closer to like a you know like a six point spread than where we're at now at four. I think what it opened out was fine. I'm not sure where this team is coming from, but you know I'll, I'll gladly take the Steelers at anything less than six. I think they're a far superior team and they're still underrated in the market. Um, some props I'm looking to hit here, potentially some James Conner props. I mean, he was essentially the bell cow, and then after a, a late fumble by Benny Snell, which almost like cost them the game against you know Jeff Driscoll led Broncos. Um, I think that he's going to be kind of you know, shuttered away and it's going to be the James Conner show. Um, so I'll, I'll probably look to see what, what the props come out at for him. And then also, you know, Deontay Johnson is, is the wide receiver one right now. Um, and I mean, leading the team in target share, leading the team in air yards. And, uh, it's not really even that close. I think Juju's still, you know, a solid producer and he's going to have better weeks than he did last week. But, um, for now, I think I'm interested to see how the disparity is between them in the prop market. And I think that, Juju's name brand, you know, might kind of keep him closer to Deontay than he should. Um, but it seems pretty clear to me that I think I think Deontay's the wide receiver one here. So my look to hit on some of that tier is I mean, I think I think the Steelers roll. Yeah, there was a two thousand difference in price on DraftKings last week and a two difference in yards in prop in the prop market uh, when that emerged on Friday. So that tells you we'll see how that is. I definitely think then that if you're building lineups, um, you know, Juju's kind of in a weird spot this week too, price-wise with the guys around him with some of the, the uh, Seattle receivers, some of the Dallas receivers, he'll probably go away in their own. And I don't think this sticks, but I think Deontay is obviously uh, a buy. These two clubs have run a lot of plays through the first two weeks as well, both top five and neutral passing scripts as well. That's obviously encouraging. We'll move on to a game. We might have fewer plays. We have the Titans on the road against the Vikings. Titans, two and a half favorites here at home. Vikings were a slight favorite here before week two kicked off. Uh, Total's been um, on the move as well. Just Vikings have been absolutely awful. Uh, I, I don't want to take a week three victory lap here, but I wanted nothing to do with these Vikings in the preseason. Um, you know, thought that the Packers could still win this division. And, man, this this defense is just absolutely atrocious. What are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I like the uh, I like the Titans here. Um Anything up to three, I don't. I don't really know how they were only at, at two and a half. Um, I think they're the far superior team. This this Vikings team has looked like, uh, I mean, just an absolute train wreck. I also think this is a good spot 
to potentially get some, you know, buy low on Derrick Henry if that's a thing. His rushing prop was 118 yards last week, which is absurd. So I'm kind of scared about that, you know, but like anything less than 100, I think is actually like feasible here. The Vikings have allowed 158 yards, 151 yards the past two weeks on the ground, 25th in rushing success rate allowed, 26th in passing success rate allowed. I mean, they're just a sieve. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think, I think the Titans are able to score, you know, maybe more than tw- their team total here at, at 23 and a half to 24. I said 24 and a half. I'm, I'm a little reluctant, but I still like the over there as well. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just tough for me to imagine the Vikings keeping up really in this one, even though the Titans haven't been like outstanding, um, this season so far. I caught the team total, uh, 23 and a half. It's, it's up a little bit now too. You know, obviously yeah. kind of being a key number, but yeah, that, uh, that was up there early, early in the week. Um, you made a good call too. I think on Derrick Henry, I think that's interesting. And Dalvin Cook too, targets way down, seen to a game, you know, just under five targets per game last week. It's almost like you have a, you know, there's not, there's some negative correlation in running backs going head to head, but both these guys look like by lows, especially how they performed the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on this game, Teach? Uh, I'm actually really excited about this game from a DFS perspective. This is a, a classic post-hype game. I, I hate myself because all season last year, I didn't play Henry in cash because I hate his like profile as a cash game player because he doesn't catch. And then I finally take the bait last week and we know how that story goes. But uh, now we're getting him in a spot like this is a DFS wet dream because he was mega chalk last week. Now he's favored against a Minnesota team that just gave up 100 yards and a touchdown to Jonathan Taylor in a spot where Henry should probably be like a 25% owned running back right now on four for four. We have him projected for sub 15%. Uh, And then the other side of the ball, like we just have a bad team that's probably going to be behind and that doesn't benefit the offense as a whole, but it it benefits a player that is a dominant wide receiver. And Adam Thielen leads the league in share of air yards. All of a sudden with Diggs gone, he's averaging like uh, 18 yards average depth of target. And they're probably going to be forced to throw one thing that uh, I I noticed this year in off season studies is that people that are doing well in tournaments, no matter what site you're on or, or pretty much any tournament over like a thousand person field, a quarterback wide receiver stack isn't getting it done. You need to add like multiple correlations in a game and one correlation to uh, favor. And I think this probably lends itself to the prop world where, where you can uh, bet some correlated plays is like, if a running back's going to go off, there's a good chance that an opposing wide receiver is going to go off if the game script matches up. And this is like kind of setting up for that Derrick Henry, Adam Thielen correlation play. Love that. Love that. Yeah. The small sample, obviously only got two weeks. Titans have, they've struggled against the past 27th and success rate allowed. So uh, they're not built to come from behind, but it is such a narrow target tree and, and Thielen definitely is, is the dude there. No doubt for sure. Um, what do you think Connor five and a half is the, the reception total? Probably sixty something yards, sixty seven. Yeah, I think maybe you could buy low here, even too, on, on Thielen potentially. Yeah, um, like you know, because after last week, you know, he, he's still just like dominating target share. So I think this could be a good chance to buy low. I mean, last week, like the Hopkins props opened up at like five and a half. Like I think they could make another mistake here where they open up Thielen at like five, four and a half, or five, and then it closes at like five and a half, six. Yeah. So I think this could be a good buy low week. All right, next we have the Bears on the road against the Falcons. Falcons. Three and a half point favorites here. Uh, you can get three and a half. There's mostly threes out there too now. Seen some early money here on Chicago. Total's been on the rise as well. 47. Uh, opened at 46 though. 
Um, I think we're going to basically see this all year with Atlanta, just a ton of shootouts. That defense is atrocious. They don't get a ton of pressure. Secondary is really an issue. Um, give me your thoughts on it, Connor. I mean, so for me, this game really is tough to break down because a lot of it relies on Mitch Trubisky, and I don't like to rely on Mitch Trubisky because if Mitch Trubisky is playing well, like the Bears can win outright, and the Bears can, you know, have have a chance here to potentially, you know, have have a very solid game on offense against a poor, poor Atlanta defense that has been got nothing but shredded so far. I mean, given they played tough opponents, but still, you know, like their their defense didn't project to be good and has done nothing but disappoint in that area. So. Um, on the other hand, though, like the Falcons offense has looked great, especially through the air and the Bears defense, you know, has been right above league average in most metrics. So it's kind of a it's kind of a tough game to break down for me. Like the spread is about right. Um, I'm not touching it. If you really want to if you really believe in Mitch Trubisky, I mean, feel free to sprinkle some Bears money line, but I certainly don't. So um, I'm, I'm not going to be touching that. Uh, my only thing here would be, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe some Montgomery like or usage, but then again, like you know, Cohen's still there, and so I don't know. It's it's kind of tough tough here. One thing to watch is Julio Jones' injury, though he didn't practice this week, um, so I'm not sure how that really affects Calvin Ridley in terms of him seeing you know like tougher coverage or you know um, how the defense schemes for that. But I mean, he should see more targets. I think him and Russell Gage become certainly more interesting in that in that aspect, and potentially even Hayden Hurst as well. What are your thoughts here, TJ? Uh, I've, the guy that I'm kind of looking at in this game, I mean, you mentioned the Julio. That's going to be the biggest news to watch. And Ridley's going to get his no matter what. I think probably like Russell Gage is the guy I'm looking at if Julio's out. Um, but, I mean, Allen Robinson's like my bylaw. Like I, I'd be interested to see what his prop comes out at, even if it's a decent yardage prop. Like he could be an interesting guy to bet as a, as a touchdown prop just because he's been getting so much of the work um, in the offense. It just hasn't like – produced into fantasy points i know it's only two weeks but i mean still seeing that huge air yard share 38 percent, still top 10 in target share like that's the share that he was seeing last year with mitch trubisky we know he could put up numbers people just like they can't get away from following fantasy points no matter how much we talk about these things like target share like air yard share uh so against this falcons defense i'm 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 looking to buy robinson and and any format I can, whether it be a, a DFS tournament or, or a touchdown prop or something like that. Um, I mean, and then the the Falcons. I mean, you guys pretty much covered it. They're gonna they're gonna throw it. They're gonna throw it a lot. And uh, anybody that's that's starting and, and getting like over two thirds of the snaps is gonna be viable in all formats. Yeah, I love Robinson. Only forty seven percent of his targets so far have been deemed catchable per PFF. That's we know that's Mitch. It's kind of what Connor's point was at the top. At the same time. You know, you want to lean into that target share. It's definitely more predictable. It's in line with what he did last year. He's immensely talented, and his matchups are just beautiful this week. And we know Matt Ryan can ball out too when he has time. Obviously, he has the weapons to do so. Bears just ranking 31st in pressure rate uh, through the first two weeks. So they can't move him off his spot. I think this is a nice spot for the uh, Falcons to maybe catch their first win. Yeah, Chicago. I mean, Chicago. They needed like a miracle win against Detroit in Week One, and then barely squeaked by New York. Like they're clearly the worst two and O team in the league, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, inverse for the Falcons, where they've just basically. I mean, they weren't in that Seattle game really, but last week was just unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Uh, we live in Chicago, so we, we hear all the narratives like the Bears are back, you know, like Mitch's back, <laughs> like, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh man, like you guys are going to be in for a lot of disappointment coming up yeah. here. Yeah, they need to franchise them so they don't lose them, you know? Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, next we have the Raiders on the road against New England. Uh, DraftKings had this at five and a half, which is basically where look at lines, uh, look at lines have it too. So it's moving. You see some sixes out there too. Short week for the Raiders now heading east to face Cam and the Patriots. Uh, we're seeing an edge of both total bets and money so far this week. Cam has handled an absurd 30, 36% of the Patriots rushing attempts so far this season, which is absolutely um, right in Connor's wheelhouse. He's been loving that. Definitely a massive cam backer in the preseason. For context, his high in uh, Carolina was 24% back in 2017. That's higher than what we saw from Lamar last year. So a ton of, of cam carries, goal line carries. He is the goal line back. Um, tough scene for you uh, Sony Michelle shareholders out there. Um, not sure if it's going to continue, but sure is fun to watch. What are your thoughts, Connor? Yeah, I, I took a piece of action here in New England, minus six. I know there's still five and a half in some spots. I think that, you know, New England smashes the Raiders team that um, is a little overrated coming off of last week's win. I mean, they were getting, you know, pretty thoroughly handed, handled by uh, the Saints until, you know, miraculously I thought that they came back. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe I don't believe in the Raiders, but they're just – they, they're one of those teams that I think has the capability to beat anyone, but also the downside to lose to anyone. And they're just a really volatile team that we just saw the high. And, you know, I, it seemed like a fluky win to me. And I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not sipping the, the Raiders Kool-Aid here, but uh, I'm not that interested. I'm also a massive cam believer. Like we said, they're fifth overall in offensive success rate through two weeks. Um, I guess their big issue though, is they've been pretty much destroyed defensively. Um, 26 in rushing success rate allowed 31st in passing success rate allowed given that's playing against MVP favorite, you know, Russell, Russell Wilson in one of those games. So obviously that massively skews this number, but still, I think that, you know, their defense is a shell of itself, given all the opt-outs and uh, everything that's happened in the off season. I think that um, I would lean towards, towards the over here, but um, yeah, I mean, I keep, I'm going to keep back in cam and at less than a touchdown here. I think the Patriots are the play for me. What are your thoughts, Tish? Uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to like take a side, I'm going to bet Belichick over Gruden every time. If I could bet against a team, I'm going to bet against a, a Gruden card duo every single time. Uh, I mean, I think this, I think the Raiders uh, are not as good as, as people think they are. Like Connor said, I think that was a lot more the Saints playing down than the Raiders playing up. Drew Brees uh, has not looked good this year. Super inaccurate. Uh, I, I, I have, I think that that division just in general, NFC South is going to, we're, we're going to look back in, in 10 weeks and realize that that division is way worse than we realized, um, especially with the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, and like you guys said, them traveling to the East Coast, uh, this is like just a super huge letdown spot for the Raiders coming off of that Monday night game. Like Belichick, like say what you will about the defense or the talent compared to last year. This is, made for a Belichickian domination. All he has to do is not, I mean, it's not easy, but scheme to take away a team's number one wide receiver. In this case, it's going to be Darren Waller. And after that, like, what are the Raiders going to do against the Patriots? They're not going to be able to contain uh, Cam. We First we saw Cam. We know he could run. Now he's able to throw for 400 uh, yards in this offense. Uh, I mean, I don't think Raiders are going to know what, what to do uh, in this spot at all. I think New England rolls here. Great matchup in the slot for suddenly downfield threat Julian Edelman. Uh, Lamar- Lamarcus Joyner is, uh, is on the struggle bus. I mean, they, they got a bunch of dicey, dicey cornerbacks, and I don't know what's going on, but it seems to be working. Nikhil Harry can't really run down the field quickly, <laughs> yeah. so they really don't have many options. It basically has to be Jules. And yeah, uh, is that is like 
is that the most uh, like egregious target share that we can't translate the <laughs> fantasy points Nikhil Harry's right now? <laughs> yeah, I think it trumps the AJ Green stuff that's definitely circulating out there. Right? We're definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, n- not ready to bury AJ Green yet, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 something. They throw like these screens to Nikhil Harry, and like you know, if you cl- if I close like I can't see his number, like it looks like a tight end, like just like running a tight end like screen because he moves so slowly and like <laughs> breaks no tackles, just goes down to, like any like arm tackle, and I'm like, oh, what is this? This guy doesn't look good at all. Also, I think worth worth noting, uh, Carr has played against New England twice in his career, scored eight and nine points in those games. Nice, checks out for sure. All right, next we have the uh, Niners on the road against the Giants. Uh, spread here, four, four and a half, depending on your book. Total around 41. Uh, this is uh, not the 49ers roster that the books were anticipating. This one opened at seven in the look-ahead markets. Uh, major amount of uh, handle and bets coming in so far on the Giants. Obviously, both clubs dealing with a plethora of injuries. The Niners were smart enough. Um, even though this is back-to-back road spots here for them in New York, they stayed I believe in West Virginia. Um, looks like the, even some of the guys that they are not going to be rolling out this week, guys that maybe that are questionable, like we don't really know Kittle, Garoppolo. Looks like they're going to be playing it safe because there's all sorts of questions about what's going on with the turf there in MetLife. Who knows? Um, I don't think we know for sure about unless I missed in the last hour or so about Jimmy G. But um, obviously Mullins is going to have to come in to beat the Giants. What are your thoughts, DJ? Uh I don't know what to make of this game. It just it feels like a spot where uh, people are just like overrating the Niners because they're the Niners, underrating the Giants because they're the Giants. Um, I mean, Giants defense is decent enough that if they're playing a bunch of of Forty Niners backups, that it just, all it does is expand the range of outcomes. And when I have an expanded range of outcomes, uh, I think I want to take I want to go uh, with the home dog in those situations. Like it's just. Uh, I don't know. People are going to be like targeting Jarek McKinnon and, and Jeff Wilson. I think that could be an ugly timeshare situation. Uh, 49ers just disarray everywhere. I'm, I'm kind of like leaning the Giants and like NDFS kind of targeting Darius Slayton as like a, a deep tournament play. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that I would lay four on the road with this current Niners squad. I just wouldn't feel really good with a Giants ticket either. What are your thoughts, right. Connor? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I would I would love to fade the Giants here, but I mean, the, or the Niners are just like, you know, they're running out their B team. So um, I'm not definitely not confidently betting on that either way. Um, I think Golden Tate is an interesting, you know, player to atta- attack here. And I know that we you can take a, a victory lap here, Noonan. I know you were a big Golden Tate stand, and I think everything is kind of played out for him to, you know, have a big role going forward. Um, especially with, you know, Shepard out and, you know, Saquon out as well. So I think that that frees up a good amount of target share for him. Um, also, the people who are something, I think you're, you know, you're out of your mind. Um, I think he's definitely going to see an expanded, you know, workload, but he's certainly not going to be a workhorse. And it's just not, you know, Shanahan's. That's not just Shanahan's like mojo, and that's not how he rolls, especially with McKinnon handling like I think he had seven touches in the past two weeks combined, something like that. So, um, yeah, I think I think that he'll be an interesting player to see kind of what the props come out at. But um, I don't know. I, I'm this game in, in general is just really tough to get a gauge on for me. What do you guys think doing with the Giants backfield? 
I'll see Devonta. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that Connor was able to leave a season-long draft this season without Devonta Freeman. So I know he's happy that he found a home finally. Yeah, I mean, this week it finally it kind of feels like an early down Gallman role and then Dion. Yeah. But I don't know that either of them are really viable in props or DFS unless you have a lean, unless you think Gallman's you know, if you I guess if you're back in the Giants, you think there's an early down role for Gallman? I, I don't know what to make of their backfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, th- I think eventually Devonta plays like, you know, all the early down plus, you know, some pass catching work, but that's not happening this week and it's not even a good matchup. Um, but I mean, they signed him to a fairly significant contract. And um, I mean, Gallman proved last year, I thought that he was kind of just like a jag. So um, I don't know. I mean, even if Devonta is really dusty, which, you know, he very well could be and looked terrible last year. Um, he's going to see plenty of volume here. So, yeah, I mean, and also I was to clarify, I was taking like the 15th round of like FFPC, like 20 round, you know, season long leagues. I was not taking him in like, you know, 10 man leagues, you know, with like six person benches. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I mean, he, he was my like highest own running back for like, like from like March until like three or four weeks after the draft. Like you, it, it made sense to get him because if and when he signed his, his, like, players prices just spike just from signing even if it's a bad situation like you could have been you could have potentially been buying like six to eight rounds of equity yeah i never i never thought it was too early i just knew that if if it was a draft that we weren't in together and you posted the board you didn't have to tell me which team you were i just had to look for free <laughs> we were good to go yeah it was devonta or cam in every league that cam, was oh really, god if you are yeah. drafting cam and 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 best ball you should give up and best ball <laughs> yeah we uh We've done a couple um, high-stakes stuff with Silva in a couple of leagues. And if he's not on a dude, you are the snowball's chance in hell of landing him. It's a <laughs> really sell. And I meant to squeak in a, uh, a Golden Tate share, and, and we need him this week. So I feel good about that. He's basically seen 35 more receiving yards and eight DraftKings points uh, last year when Sterling Shepard was out of the lineup. So 500 on DK this week. I will have some uh, Golden Tate shares. So beast after the catch since he on the road at philly is our next one here philly six point favorites at home total 46 definitely shop around uh there's a variety of numbers out there in the marketplace depending on what you have access to um looks like it's even moving down massively um so so far bet no totals and money pretty even um philly here obviously looking to to save off an zero and three starts it would be a, a really bad one what are your thoughts tj uh, I might be letting personal bias slip into this, but like after the Bills, the the Eagles are the team that I was buying the most um, in the preseason, and I'm I'm not jumping off the Eagles train yet. Like they're they're kind of doing the things that I was hoping in terms of like going after this team. Like their offense is going to be concentrated around their tight ends minus Deshaun Jackson. Like despite Jalen Rager's injury, like he was still going to be a rookie on a super short or no off season. And then Miles Sanders getting the workload. Um, we've seen it with the tight ends already. Then we see Miles Sanders. He plays in week two, gets 23 touches. They're, Second in neutral passing rate, eighth in uh, in in uh, in neutral pace, and second in deep pass attempts. Like so, it's going to be high variance, but with a lot of upside. And then we just saw the Bengals get smoked by the Browns, and I don't think any of us think that the Browns are world beaters. So I I'm like all in on the Eagles this week. They're my like one of my teams that I'm targeting heavily. I like it. What are your thoughts, Connor? 
Yeah, I like the over here for a lot of the reasons that TJ said. Um, so I know even even though the money or the, the total is moving down here, um, I still think that it ends up, you know, this ends up being almost like a 50-point-plus game in terms of scoring. Since he showed that he can, uh, like Joe Burrow can keep up for sure. Like So even if, you know, the Eagles dominate offensively, which I think that they actually will, um, since his defense has basically been getting, you know, very little pressure. I think they, you know, they didn't even touch Baker Mayfield last week. That I, they're even though uh, Philly's offensive line is banged up, I just don't really think that they're going to be able to generate much pressure at all. Like it looked like he had like basically all day. So I think this is a great bounce back spot for Deshaun Jackson here, um, and also maybe a get right spot for Cincy's explosive pass offense. Uh, I tweeted this out, but they have the least explosive pass offense of the league with just one play pass play further than 20 yards in 103 attempts, um, which is a 1%, like less than 1% um, explosive pass rate. The worst in the last four years was like 6% or something like 5% by Baltimore in 2017. So yeah, I mean, it's, that's going to regress, especially with a guy like Joe Burrow. He just needs time. And that's the biggest thing. Like he's just getting no time and that's why they're not getting explosive pass plays. So um, I think this is a, a, a good spot for both offenses and that um, we're going to see, you know, more like a, like a 30-24 game rather than what they're projecting, which is like a 24-20 game. Are we, are we all in on Drew Sample? Oh. I, I kind of am. I like him. I think, I think he's going to ball. 23% target share for, for Cincinnati tight ends. We saw uh, Higby go for three touchdowns last week. We saw uh, Logan Thomas get his 27% target share in week one against the Eagles. Like Eagles might be the new Cardinals in terms of like who to play your uh, your tight ends against. Yeah. So recency bi- or like bias, personal bias here too. I, I, anytime in the best ball draft, I didn't get Kelsey or Kittle. I was hammering uh, CJ Ozoma as a tight, tight end three just all day. So I'm, I'm still a little bit better that those Ozoma shares are deceased. Um, you know, Drew Sample is a blocking guy. But yeah, I mean, if he's going to be running routes uh, like he did last week, that was a really good matchup. And we saw Ozoma ball out in the first half. It was just, it was painful. So I need a week to process. Uh, then maybe I could be a little bit more of a better analyst and maybe jump into some, uh, to some sample shares. But for now, I'm still uh, bitter, definitely bitter. Uh, Connor mentioned it too. I really like the total here based on total plays per game through the first two weeks. These two clubs combined for the most total plays of any week two matchup. Definitely a nice inducive, uh, inducive environment for, for scoring could be really good. Next we have the Washington football team on the road against the Browns. Seven points here uh, is the spread. 44 is the total. Um, again, seeing the total move too, so shop that around. 45 and a half up there as well. So again, if you like the under, there's some options there. Back-to-back road games here for Washington uh, after traveling west to Arizona last week. Now they're facing a Browns club. It's coming off of 10 days rest on Thursday night and that win against Cincinnati. That tends to matter over the course of time, that extra travel and uh, a team with extra rest. Uh, action today, pretty even on both sides. TJ, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I I don't think we see Dwayne Haskins throw 65 times or whatever the hell Joe Burrow threw for. Uh, I'm in Cleveland there. After kind of being like closer to uh, a passing team in week one than we expected with Stefanski, they way overcorrected. Now they're like uh, the one of five teams running over 50% neutral game script. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a replay of last Thursday. It's going to be the Nick Chubb, the Kareem Hunt show, uh, big lead um, against a, a bad Washington team. I, I I keep wanting to be like on Washington just because they 
They have players I like, like Logan Thomas. Terry McLaurin's going to get his. I just, I just don't see Haskins getting it done for this offense, even though they're running a super fast pace. Uh, they're just, they're just a bad team. We had a little bit of flop lag too in week two with Antonio uh, Gibson seeing a nice spike in snap share and and uh, basically Peyton Barber being relegated to what he is. And uh, that was nice to see. So what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I think eventually Washington's offense figures it out. I'm just not sure that it's uh, in this spot. And whenever that happens, Antonio Gibson, I think, is you know carving out a pretty big role. Saw nice usage spikes last week. And if that continues, like he's going to be a very, you know, like a, a fringe RB1 if the offense can figure it out. Otherwise, it'll be like a solid RB2. Um, but in terms of this game in general, I think the key to this game, Washington has been really good against the pass in terms of success rate, but just 20th against the run. And, um, for me, this is big because the Browns are going to establish the run. They're going to want to, you know, really focus on that with Chubb and Hunt. They've been fifth and running, running rate in one score game so far. So I think we see a, like a heavy dose of Chubb and Hunt again here and the, both of them have success. So. Um, I think that's kind of be going to be largely how the game is dominated. Also interested in some Logan Thomas props. He's number one on the buy low for um, Hermsmeyer and had 17 targets in the past two weeks. So I think that for props, he could be a good buy low for sure. You work through your Logan Thomas bias already. I think he's frozen. Do we lose you, Connor? You had your Logan Thomas bias yeah, last week. Like- yeah, tell Maggie to turn Netflix off. We gotta, we're Sorry, did you? I asked if you were uh, over. I know. I turned my wife off my phone. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, I think it's going to be a good spot for, for Chubb as well. Jack Conklin back in the lineup. He was not in last week, and they still dominated on the ground. So really nice spot for, for Chubb in the Browns running game. All right, T, this is going to be you, buddy. Rams on the road against the Bills. You don't even need to ask. <laughs> Bills are <laughs> point favorites. 47 and a half is the total. This is another one really you guys want to shop the line. There are multiple things out there depending on your lean. Some one and a half, twos out there in the the market. Um, Back-to-back Eastern time zone road games for the Rams as well, who I believe traveled back to L.A. after winning in Philly last weekend. I searched and tried to harass beat reporters last week and did not hear back, but I'm pretty sure that the Rams did return home to to L.A. Uh, It appears, though, the public is on the Rams so far. Majority of the money backing TJ's boy, Josh Allen, and the Bills. I don't want to steal your scene. I mean, you and uh, and Silver definitely planted your proverbial flags on this dude in the preseason, and you are basically looking like a modern-day Miss Cleo. So take the floor. <laughs> I mean, we're two weeks in, so you know a lot could change. But it's 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 looking like what we were hoping uh, we would get out of this. And, and when typically I'm going to favor – super efficient offenses um, over good defenses in, in today's game, especially when that super efficient offense is, is coming through the air. Like Stefan Diggs has provided everything more that uh, I thought they would, he would provide to them. I knew he would boost Josh Allen's game and just like, does he do it as a standalone player? And uh, I mean, him and John Brown, combining for 70% uh, air yard share. And the great thing about a player like Josh Allen is he he could neutralize a good pass rush with a defense that has an Aaron Darnold because he's one of the best running quarterbacks in the game. And, and this game is, uh, I mean, when you first look at it, it's like 47 half point under under. That's not super high. Um, I like the close spread because it, it suggests that both teams could go back and forth. But uh, we have the Bills like, 
the new Bills throwing at uh, top 10 rate in neutral game script. The Rams uh, running at one of the highest paces in the league, I think sixth in neutral pace. Uh, and so, I mean, I think this is just a game goes over like by a pretty good number. Uh, we saw the Bills uh, give it up a little bit to the Dolphins last week, had to uh, have uh, uh, Josh Allen uh, had to bring him back and, and win that game late, but we know their offense is going to be good. Uh, Tyler Higby looked good. Uh, Robert Woods, I'm, I like him in this spot, but he's probably going to get the Tredavious treatment. So sneaky play here, Van Jefferson actually leading the team in air yards. Hmm, interesting. I definitely thought it was could be a secondary receiver spot with the two stud corners of both teams. Yeah. You know, depending on what they do with White and what the Rams do with with Ramsey. You know, it could be a spot where you know if Ramsey's shadowing Diggs, maybe it's another Josh or John Brown week too. So definitely want to get access to this game though. I definitely think that the scoring upside is massive, uh, and I like what they're doing with Jared Goff. I mean, we gave an up you know an off season to Sean McVay to get stuff right. We're definitely seeing a ton of play action leading the league. 48% of Goff's drop back so far and setting him up for success has been, you know, conducive to points and efficiency in that offense so far. What are your thoughts here, Connor? I think that um, in this one, I don't have too much of a take on, you know, the side or total, but I think that, you know, both teams are not very good at defending the run efficiency wise uh, through two weeks. Um, Buffalo 28th. Rams 31st. Um, and then I think with the Rams here, you know, with Akers banged up, Malcolm Brown banged up, I think we could see, you know, the Daryl Henderson dream continue to live uh, for those people who are really excited about him. Um, and I think this could be a good spot to play him if you have him and you really need like a low end flex with, you know, some upside. But again, I don't, I, I personally would probably lean, you know, Buffalo in this spot. I think that they're just a better all around team and that, um, you know, they have enough talent to potentially counteract some of McVeigh's scheming and how, how good he's been able to scheme up some of these plays for golf. I mean, guys are just like seemingly wide open, like all the time. This is kind of what we saw when the Rams broke out, um, you know, a few years ago is when it's like golf was just making open throws. And, um, a lot of that, I mean, if, if that can continue to happen, which it, it has in the past and in certain seasons and not in others, um, then great. Otherwise, you know, I think that there's a chance like for a you know catastrophic downfall for the Rams coming up soon. So it's, it's going to be something to look for. I'm, I'm not probably not going to bet this game too much here. We're, we're assuming the Rams stayed out east for this week, right? There's no way they came all the way back and flew back. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, I, I could not find an answer. I, I, I asked some beats earlier today as I was kind of looking through this. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't heard. I, that's a massive, massive thing. Yeah, if, if we find out that they came home and went all the way back again, like that might make me lean Bills like really hard. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm on the Bills for sure. Two and a mm-hmm. half. Um, I'm hoping that that's the case. Then I'll feel really good about that. But uh, I, I laid some action on the Bills earlier today at two. Um, it's moved the other way, but I'll, I'll take them for sure. This is just a. We think that they're maybe a, if not a division winner, they're a playoff team. You know, I don't want to rest too much on priors coming into the season, but you know, Rams maybe a borderline playoff team and. I think the Bills are even better than I thought they would be coming in. So I think getting less than a field goal at home, I'm going to take that. Yeah, sure. they're not, I'm not – like I said, I, I don't bet props because they're not available in, in California. But <laughs> if the Bills win the AFC, let's just say I'll be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Side money with a friend, I'm guessing, for sure. Yeah, No, I'm just straight fan. I'm a hardcore <laughs> fan, and I want the Bills <laughs> to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next one is why look headlines are super important. We have the Jets on the road against the Colts spread here. 
uh, basically everywhere, 10 and a half, moving up to 11. This was seven last weekend before the games kicked off. Um, so yeah, definitely want to be, if you're going to be betting, if you are placing your bets on Sunday morning before the games kick off, um, gosh, it's just hard. It's hard to be profitable. The By that point, it's not just the books and the line that they've set. It's the entire market sharpening the line. It's just really hard to beat closing lines. And you want to get in as early as you can. I know it's hard. You haven't been able to digest positions and injury situations, but look at lines, take the time and find them. Um, like I said, total here, 43 and a half. Uh, Jets, clearly the worst team in the league, I think through two weeks, zero offensive weapons. It is just atrocious. Basically their only offensive difference maker is staying in line and blocking Chris Herndon is not running the routes that we want him to. And uh, Braxton Berrios and Chris Hogan uh, running routes this week. It's going to be a really tough scene, I think, for the Jets. On the other hand, Colts defense has been excellent so far. Uh, we've had some nice matchups against Jacksonville and Minnesota for sure. But uh, leading the league in yards per drive, um, big number here. But I can't imagine holding a Jets ticket. What are your thoughts, TJ? Uh I'm usually pretty good about knowing everybody on an offensive depth chart. And, and on, on Monday when I saw Braxton Barrios with 25% target share, I had to do a little <laughs> bit of research. Um, I mean, I, I don't even like, I, I can't even fat. Did Jamison Crowder practice? Cause I don't know if there's, there's no one worth playing on the jets or even like looking at, or like, I guess uh, to bet a prop, it would have to be, it has just has to be insanely low to bet it for one of the starters, I guess. But um I mean, the Indy is they're they're gonna they're gonna crush. I mean, they've they've looked good. They're they're putting up yardage. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is at as advertised as it uh, it looks like. And you guys have the question: Where's Ty been? I mean, his his targets are okay. Uh, Fourteen targets in two games, not a huge target share, just under twenty percent. But getting those deep targets that we like, like he's top fifteen in in. Uh, uh, share of air yards, so I think he has a a big game coming, and and no better team than this Jets uh, secondary that uh, we know struggles a bit. So I actually like Ty this week. I think Ty could be a nice leverage play in tournaments if you're maybe fading the chalk that probably comes of Jonathan Taylor getting some Colts sprinkles in your lineup, probably through Taylor. I'll probably sprinkle in a little bit of my boy Michael Pittman here as well. Obviously with Paris Campbell on the sideline, some high leverage targets for Pittman. I think are on the come here. But what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I think that there's potential here to even take an under on the Jets team total. Um, I mean, they scored um, 13 points against the 49ers B team off some miraculous play from Sam Darnold where, you know, you like it was like a Mahomes-like play that, you know, he just like threw it across his body and like kind of like was like he was like parallel or to the to the receiver. And it was pretty whack. It was all an awesome throw. But also, I think it is worth noting, this should have been our wake-and-take section of people saying, you know, Sam Donald's not the problem. Okay, watch the rest of the game. Look at all the times where he just misfires, like, everywhere. Like, he's just spraying the ball, like, you know, out of bounds, low, high. Like, I mean, his receivers suck, too. But, like, you know, Sam Donald's certainly part of the problem. Like, he is not playing well. And, I mean, the offensive line is not helping him either. But he's not playing well. Like, that's straight up. Like, that was the best play that he's had maybe in his career. So, you know, we, I don't think we – Salfino is attacked right now. Yeah, team total under 16 and a half. Oh, yeah. Salfino doesn't listen. He would he'd have me blocked for sure. <laughs> yeah, if it gets to go over that, that uh, I mean, probably even a 16 and a half is probably a little high. But if it gets to 17, 17 and a half at any point, that's, that's a nice little hook that I would definitely be interested on a Jets 
under on the team total for sure. Uh, Jonathan Taylor props will be definitely interesting. Obviously, after toting it 26 times, we have like 11 touches on the first drive last week. Just something insane. They're going to lean on him, and uh, this is a good spot. So be interested to see what his numbers start to, to pop out at. All right, uh, next game has Carolina on the road against the Chargers. Chargers, six-point favorites here at home. Uh, again, some sevens out there, total of 44. This Chargers situation, guys, is wild. Uh, if listeners didn't hear about this, uh, news broke today. Apparently, Tyrod hurt his ribs in week one in that heartbreaker in Cincinnati. Um while being administered a pain-killing shot shortly before kick on week two, the doctor punctured his lung. Uh, just insane. I mean, this is the Chargers. You can't even make this stuff up with what's going on with them for years with injuries. And maybe it's because their team doctors are just not very good. Uh, that is leading to uh, another start for Justin Herbert. I'm not quite sure if this is now a Tyrod situation where he's still hurting or if it's just they saw him play pretty well last week and they move forward with it. But either way, he is under center here. This one, um, it got up to seven, like I said, coming back down a little bit. Uh, lots of money coming in on the Panther side, which is interesting. What are your thoughts, TJ? This game's really interesting and unique in that I like a ton of individual players, but I don't like the game as a whole. Uh, the Panthers are obviously uh, not a good defense and one that you could exploit, but the, the Chargers are um, a team that they're – they're just going to spread it around a lot. They have their air yards pretty much concentrated between three guys, Keenan Allen, uh, Hunter Henry, and and Mike Williams all have a lot of air yards, but I don't think that they're such a good pass game that all of them are going to get done at once. And then uh, they're big favorites against a bad defense, so you like their backfield, but we saw a uh, backfield touch shared 23-20 to 20 in favor of Joshua Kelly, but uh, Austin Eckler was uh, more efficient. I think he totaled 148 yards on his 20 touch. So I like all of these guys individually, but I actually don't really want like the Chargers offense as a whole in terms of stacking. I don't know if I even like the low over in this game at 44. So it's a super unique spot. And then on the other side, I like DJ Moore because he's getting all the volume we thought he was going to get. He's up there in target share, up there in air yards. Um, and it's though that eventually pops. So I like him. Uh, like if you're if you're playing like Austin Eckler running it back with DJ on the other side in tournaments, but I, I don't like all of them together. So it's um it's a really weird situation, the one that doesn't come up a lot. No, that's a good point. This uh this Panthers defense makes it easy though to want to be on the other side. I mean, talked about it multiple times. It is the youngest unit in the league. They just, uh, they have three total pressures through the first two weeks, three quarterback pressures. That is uh, no one else is in single digits in the league. That is really hard to do. Uh, it's a young defense. It's a tough spot. So really nice for you know, Justin Herbert to continue to do so. What's really interesting to see is the emergence of Joshua Kelly here. Um, Fifth in running back carries so far this year. I mean, this is basically like the Melvin Gordon role. Like it, it's not even like he's supplementing Austin Eckler. He is getting the ball in in a game like this where he looked like he's probably set up to have advantageous game scripts. He seems like he is uh, an interesting buy in the prop market and, and maybe even a little bit in the DFS space too as a as a tournament play. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I mean that's that's mostly my notes here. Is I don't have too much on the rest of the game, but I think that uh, the Chargers are going to have a lot of success on the ground against Carolina's run defense, which has been really bad so far. And they my issue is that I'm not sure whether it's going to be Eckler or Kelly. I just think that it might be the answer might be both, and that we might see like a prop that's probably too low on, on just both these guys, you know, in like the 40, 50 range, 
where both these guys run for like, you know, 60, 70 yards. So uh, that's kind of what I'll be looking at when those open, uh, you know, like Friday morning, uh, maybe Saturday. Be interesting to see what happens with the Carolina passing attack that TJ talked about. I mean, obviously without um, CMC in that lineup, you know, how the things get distributed. Are we going to see another heavy target share from Mike Davis? That seems probably unlikely. I mean, eight targets is not something that we're going to see from him uh, very often in his uh, four to six week stint there in the backfield, but uh, definitely interested on the, the Chargers side of the ball. Uh, next one, we have uh, Detroit on the road against the Cardinals. Cardinals five and a half point favorites here at home. Total here climbing as well, 54 and a half in most spots. Uh, after traveling to Green Bay in week two, this will be back-to-back Grody's for the Lions. Opened at three. Um, look at lines. I pounced on that. It climbed quickly to six. Uh, settled that back down at five and a half. Still interested at five and a half on this Arizona side, kind of regardless of the Kenny Galli situation. But, you know, that would make me a little bit more interested in, in some of the points being scored here with Detroit. But what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that Arizona, like the market is not properly valuing Arizona. I mean, they look like the real deal so far. Now they're playing against a Detroit team that um, has not been very good defensively. And um, I don't see a reason for Arizona not to score, you know, plenty of points here. Their team total is actually it's like 30 um, which seems really aggressive, but I don't think is that. I think it's pretty much like almost a medium projection at this point. Um, in terms of a betting standpoint, I'm going to look to hit up some Kenny Drake props. He has 16 and 20 carries in two games. Now draws the Lions team, which is allowing a 63% rushing success rate, 29th in the league. They've allowed 149 to 249 yards in two games to the Bears and Packers for 6.9 yards per carry. Um, they've also allowed an explosive run rate, which is runs of 10 yards or more at 19% of the time so far, which is just like insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Drake pops off here and that, you know, Kyler Murray potentially, we have projected for, to be the number one quarterback this week at four for four. Uh, I believe it's like 25.9 points. So if you can get on points, but I know they offer like fantasy points over under same with draft games. If you can get them around like 20, I think that the over there is, you know, very nice. Uh, I think that's probably you'll see like 20, 21, maybe 22 will be what the over under will be at. Love it. What are your thoughts here, TJ? Yeah, Kyler, uh, Detroit's been playing so much, man. Kyler might run for like 120 yards. Like Detroit could just be trying to chase the receivers and he's just like, all right, I'll just keep popping off these 20 yard runs. Um, I mean, yeah. Connor covered everything that you need to say about the Cardinals upside and potential, but I, I think a lot of people are forgetting that the Cardinals defense has basically been bailed out by playing two really bad opponents. They got a San Francisco team where Kittle got hurt and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't um, been playing well. And then he got hurt last week, but in week one wasn't playing well. Uh, and then last week played a really bad Washington team. Like the, this Lions passing game was super efficient last year. And the only thing that this changes is, is Kenny Galladay's not healthy. Obviously that's a huge uh, concern, but I think, Kenny, uh, I think Marvin Jones and, and TJ Hawkinson can do work against the Cardinals here. Uh, and I still think Stafford can be a very efficient quarterback. Both these teams are top 10 uh, in neutral pace. So I think people look at the Lions, see a 54, 55 point over under and say that's too high. They're going to get smoked. But I think this could be a little more shoot outy than people realize. Yeah, absolutely love it. Love the Kenyon Drake stuff, Connor. I mean, yeah, Detroit's been really bad. I mean, there's not a lot of talent on that defensive side of the football. And we know those things we're seeing with Carolina, we're seeing with Atlanta. Those things are conducive to points. And as TJ mentioned, when we get Kenny Galladay back, he did have a limited practice today. It's a little encouraging. You know, we start to see these things. Detroit becomes another one of those teams, I think, where there's a pretty narrow target share and a pretty shitty defense on the other side. So it starts to make things pretty nice from a prop and, and fantasy perspective. 
All right, next uh, should be a fun one. Dallas on the road against Seattle. Seattle, four and a half point favorites here at home. Total 55 and a half, which is highest of the week. Um, so far, we're seeing a huge edge in tickets for the Seahawks. But we know that Dallas is a public team and the public has been pounding money on the Cowboys side here. Though we're really not seeing a lot of movement here in the line. So uh, market feels like they set a pretty efficient line here. Um it's really bold, though. I mean, all three of Dallas's starting corners missed practice on Wednesday. One, I believe, has already been ruled out. They are starting street free agents against Russ, Metcalf, and Lockett this week. There are going to be points here. It's going to be popular in DFS. Prop market's going to be aggressive, and rightfully so. What are your thoughts, TJ? Uh, and maybe this is super fishy from like a betting perspective, but when I'm looking at these things from a DFS side of things, like when I see games that have this high of a total and two offenses, two quarterbacks that are this efficient, like I like to be on, on the underdog side of it. Um, a lot of times that just means that the, the favorite quarterbacks usually be more popular. So that's typically why I like to be on the underdog side of it because you're going to get um, a, a less popular quarterback. So I don't know how that how that's going to translate to betting. Um, but I mean, this is this is the game that uh, that we're looking for, for like all the overs. Um, both of these, we know both of these teams could put up a ton of points. Uh, just one interesting note, like if you're trying to figure out who exactly are we looking at? Uh, Sports Info Solutions put a good stat out today. Seattle's defense, most completions and third most yards per attempt to slot receivers. So that would suggest uh, a big CD Lamb game. Love it. CD is my favorite play here. I, I know watching that game on Sunday night, I mean, Jamal Adams dominated the football game. He stood out as a massive playmaker. Though when he was targeted specifically, all six of Cam's passing attempts against Adams when he was in coverage were completed uh, for over a total of like 123 yards. So he was definitely exposed in the passing game. And you mentioned we were seeing a really high slot rate. We really weren't sure Dallas, right? Were they were they going to move Gallup there? We saw some success with you know Cooper, uh, with Cooper there last year, and it's really just been C.D. Lamb in the slot. Really great spot for him. What are your thoughts on this game, Connor? Yeah, I mean, my big note is C.D. Lamb as well. Um, so I think that we're, you know, we're definitely going to have to look into the prop market there. I'm not really sure you can set it high enough compared to our expectations in this one, given the matchup. Um, but in terms of the total, I think that, you know, it's about right. I'm going to look to try and live bet this game and maybe, you know, take, you know, take either side early if potentially, you know, one team scores um, or, you know, if they don't score in the first like few minutes, maybe you can get like, you know, right around 50 of the total and hit the over um, live in game. So I'll probably look to live bet it either way, because I mean, these offices can both score and score quick. So I'm not afraid to fire off some, some shots at that. We're assuming Dallas doesn't lose four fumbles in their first four drives this time. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Exactly. All right. Can we assume that uh, Dak doesn't cuck uh, Elliot at the goal line <laughs> yeah, three times as well? For sure. Oh, <laughs> that was painful too. We thought last week, we talked about how we thought that we would see a spike in rushing attempts from Seattle last week. It did happen. It was a little bit more balanced. The encouraging thing though, uh, as far as the Russ Cook narrative, they did throw 66% of the time still on first and second down, which is really what we want to see. They became such a run-run pass team for years. And now if they're at least sprinkling in a little bit of the pass on the early downs, that's all we've been asking for. So it's going to be exciting one to watch. Next, we have the Buccaneers on the road against the Broncos. Seeing a, a line of six here for Tampa on the road. Total down to 43 and a half. 
September games in Denver be damned. Public all over Tampa Bay so far in terms of both overall bets and money. Uh, look ahead lines had us at three and a half. I think we could still see a move all the way up to seven, depending on what happens here. Um, perhaps no team in the uh, injury area has been decimated more than the Broncos have. Uh, we're really looking at Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, AJ Boye, basically their best players. Um, out for this one. Tampa Bay getting healthy, looking like we're going to have both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for the first time all season. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Maybe I'm a fish, but I think that this is kind of a massive trap game. Um, I think that, you know, the public is all over Tampa Bay and that it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense why they are. They're like, oh man, Tom Brady against a Jeff Driscoll led team. If you go back and watch the game of Jeff Driscoll and, you know, the Denver playing against the Steelers, like I, he played well, the Denver team, like all the ancillary pieces played well, they didn't allow the Steelers to dominate them. Like their defense was still competent. And even though all the injuries and you think would you really impact this team, they looked good in the, like the second half of that game. And like, so for me, it's six and a half points. I mean, I'm not going to be betting the Broncos. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that laying six here with the Bucs is scary. And I think that this Bucs team, like TJ alluded to earlier, I think they're overrated. And so in this spot, I think this could be just like a massive, massive trap game. Um, and if this gets to seven, I would consider Denver, but otherwise, you know, I'm not taking it. My other note would be KJ Hamler's, you know, playing a lot, ran a route on 68% of his dropbacks, team leading 116 air yards last week. So with Sutton out, I think we can expect that to continue going forward. You know, I'm not going to be banking the production with Driscoll, who's, you know, probably going to be pretty volatile, but uh, I think that it's it's worth noting and paying attention to. Minimum price on DraftKings this week for Hamler. Uh, probably pretty popular. What are your thoughts, TJ? Uh, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make at this point of the season is is treating the data points that we have like uh, gospel. And it takes four or five weeks for it. I mean, we definitely don't like know everything. It takes, if we do like studies on how accurate the lines are, the first month of the season is when they're the least accurate. It's because we just don't know as much as we think we know. Like two data points is not a lot. And I think people forget at this point because we're so excited about the year, especially in a year like this, like about all of the work we did all off season. And I was in the minority this year in that like, I don't like Tampa Bay as a team. I don't like them as an offense. And Brady, I mean, he kind of like what I talked about with the Saints. Like I, I think Brady and, and, and Breeze are closer to Wash than not. And Brady's accuracy has been off this year just as much as his last year. It's, it's masked a little bit by better weapons. But if you don't think that the Buccaneers are going to be world beaters like I don't, and they're going to be more of a Tom Brady team than the team that we saw last year and, and just kind of slowly uh, moving the ball and, and Brady making mistakes, then it's going to be hard to get up by a touchdown in the NFL uh, so I just I don't think they're ever going to be blowing out very many teams, um, and I I want to be leveraging that in spots that I can. So like like Connor said, like as far as like Denver like winning or being within uh, six points, like I'm not sure, but I don't feel comfortable like putting any stock into the Buccaneers right now. Yeah, the line's getting out of hands. I, I know that we don't know how to really leverage home field advantage this year, as far as like fans, no fans, all those things. Like the Denver thing really is. Well, it's the combination of of September weather, but then it's it's obviously the altitude, and that's a real thing. It's hard to prepare for. Can't really mock it in practice. Um, so that's definitely impactful here still early in the year. I'm interested to see what happens with the Tampa Bay backfield. We saw 25 snaps for Fournette, 20 for Jones, 10 for McCoy. Um, and then obviously we saw Jones lose a fumble. That's massively impactful. 
you know, does Fortnite really emerge here this week? I'm staying away from any of it, but it's definitely something to monitor as we move forward to see if anyone kind of takes hold of that job. All right, next we have the Sunday Nighter. We have Green Bay on the road against the Saints. This one has moved quite a bit. Uh, Saints three and a half point favorites here at home, um, down to three even now in some spots, total of 51 and a half. Really nothing impacts the market more than a poor showing on an island game, and that's really what we saw from the Saints on a Monday night. It opened at six and a half, and obviously the markets moved quickly, dropped down to three and a half like a brick, and now we're seeing, like you said, threes out there at MGM and some other spots. Saints obviously not the same club without Michael Thomas in the lineup, really struggled. Uh, TJ mentioned earlier here just with the the Brady uh, breakdown. Um, This is not new, the Drew Brees check down king. He just seems to be a little less accurate, and then that gets magnified too without Michael Thomas there. On the other hand, the Packers have really taken advantage of some soft matchups early, leading the league yards per drive, points per drive, drive success rate to start the season. The offenses looked really good. Nice offensive line play protecting Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what are your thoughts here, TJ? Uh, it's an interesting spot for Devonte Adams if he's healthy. We saw the Saints not be able to stop an offense that was going primarily through one guy, and we know that's exactly what the the Packers' offense is going to do if Adams is healthy. So, um, if he plays, people are still going to be trepidatious about rostering him just because players coming off those lower leg injuries, especially pass catchers, um, are ones that make you nervous. But uh, but I, I think it's a pretty good spot to target him. Uh, the only two running backs in the league uh, with a target share of 15%, Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. That's not going to stay like that. There are a couple uh, running backs will see their, their target shares spike above that. But uh, interesting spot from a DFS perspective, or um, maybe if you're looking for overs on props where you bet two running backs in the game, usually that's a negative correlation play, but uh, these two guys could both uh, really pop together in the same game here. Be interested to see what happens with Adams. That obviously is a massive indicator for this game. If he's in the lineup, definitely like the Packers team total. I think that's a little short of where it should be right now. If not, Aaron Jones to the moon. We're basically for his career seeing um, five and a half targets, 56 yards, receiving yards uh, in his five career games with Adams out of the lineup. So that's really nice from a running back getting those uh, PPR points. And the props will probably be low. His prop receiving yards will probably be mid-20s, high-20s. So that definitely be something I'm going to see emerge here as the weekend gets closer. What are your thoughts on this one, Connor? I think that uh, if this continues from Breeze, Michael Thomas should just win the MVP award just by default. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly, just based on how how much better Breeze looked with him. But Traquan saw seven targets last week. I think that he emerged potentially – so, and then also could look into Latavius Murray uh, against Green Bay's run defense, which is, you know, last rushing success rate allowed through two weeks. Um, but the issue is that he can get game scripted away. He had three carries for 14 yards. His prop was like, you know, 27 yards last week. And he could have, he had that in the first quarter and they didn't receive a single carry the rest of the game. Um, and, you know, I was tilting my face off, of course, about that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure how, how this game plays out entirely. I'm not betting the side, not betting the total. Probably look at some Latavius props if they're lower, and then um, otherwise maybe some Adams prop or, um, like you said, Aaron Jones receiving props without Adams. I don't know if we can have the game of the year in week three, but we're going to give it a shot here. We have the Chiefs on the road against the Ravens. Uh, Ravens three-and-a-half-point favorites now, total at 53 can't wait to watch this one. Obviously, recency bias pretty high. It's opened at one. Now moving through a key number of three all the way to three and a half. Um, 
pretty interesting one. What are your thoughts, TJ? Uh, well, before we let me answer your first part, uh, if you're talking game of the year, I'll, I'll see this one and raise you a Buffalo, Kansas City in week six. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> totally on board. Uh, I mean, listen, if this these spots are really hard for me when you have two really good teams. Like I, don't, I think I'm, I'm more comfortable with two really bad teams just because, I mean, good teams are going to do good things against each other. And like, like what does that mean in terms of how the game's going to play out? Um, with you, with you saying that things are mo- moving towards Baltimore, like it makes me want to be on the Kansas city side of things. Like Kansas city scored 34 points in week one. Uh, they had three bad quarters and then, and then they needed to turn it on and they did end up winning the game. Now they're averaging 28 and a half points per game. Like they're still the best offense in the league, best weapons in the league. Um, I, I think Kansas city pulls off a little bit of an upset here just because I think they are that good. I like it. You can get Kansas city, basically plus plus one fifty five, one sixty on the money line. I kind of lean the Kansas city side too, with the three and a half, um, getting that field goal or that hook on the half is, is very interesting. Connor, I know this is your Super Bowl pick. Um, you are definitely a Baltimore stand. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. I mean, if I were to take a, a bet on the side, I would be leaning Kansas city because of that hook, but Baltimore has been playing just so, so well. And I mean, it's, it's really tough to fade them here. We're against a chiefs team that, Hasn't been good. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, I mean, they've been good, but not to the level that they have shown before. Patrick Mahomes, second in average depth of target through, second lowest in average depth of target through two weeks. Um, I think they're kind of in like a Super Bowl hangover mode. They just allowed over 300 yards to Justin Herbert, who figured out he was starting like five minutes before the game when the doctor just, you know, jabbed a needle into Tyrod Taylor's lungs. Um, and so I don't, I don't know how the hell that happened, but, you know, there we are. And then, I mean, looking at the metrics, they're, 27th in rushing success rate allowed, 24th in passing success rate allowed against Houston. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's good, but then again, like we said, Justin Herbert, like there's no reason that he should have played as well as he did. Maybe he is the real deal, but I don't know. It just seemed like kind of a, a last minute thing for them to really get, you know, that, that game should have been not that close, you know, for, for what all things considered there. I mean, imagine if like they announced that like a day before or something like that, like the line would have been like 10 or maybe even 14. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. For me here, I, I lean Casey on the spread, but maybe I'll probably look to live bet Baltimore here if you can get it closer, you know, below the key number of three because it, it's going to be a great game. Um, not too much in terms of the prop market either way, probably. Yeah, I think these two teams are equal. You're telling me they're not with the number. So I'm going to take the points every time. So especially if the public thinks that your recency bias, what we saw them them do last week. So definitely on that one. All right, Thursday night football, uh, Miami at Jacksonville, 47 and a half is the total. Jacksonville, supposedly the worst team in the league, favorites, uh, two and a half points here. And we do have some props in this one too. Uh, we see Byron Jones out for Miami, which is going to be interesting. But uh, give me your thoughts on this game real quick, TJ. Um, I don't get many uh, days off or nights out during the season. So one of my favorite things to do is find Thursday night games that I don't want to watch and use those to go get drunk. So this will be <laughs> uh, the first time I get to do that this year. Uh, James Robinson accounts for 37% of the Jacks- uh, Jacksonville's touches so far this year. That's the 10th highest rate um, in the league. Uh, this is the first time he's going to have a, a projected positive game script, and this will be against a bad Dolphins uh, defense. So I like James Robinson. He's had his coming out party already from our perspective, but uh, on a national perspective, I don't think a lot of people know who he is yet, and I like to have a huge game this week. Illinois State Redbird, uh, 67 and a half rushing yards is his prop, 11 and a half receiving yards. So I, I 
think both of those are a little shorter where they should be. Gasicki in the slot, 49 and a half yards, his prop. Uh, that seems really nice too. And if uh, DJ Chark is out, uh, it's going to be the viscous show. Any thoughts on this one, Connor? Um, honestly, not too much on the game here. I'm certainly not, you know, betting on either side here as they can easily just like win by, you know, 20 against each other or lose by 20. Um, but there are some props. We scrape our props against, you know, DraftKings and then, you know, compare it to our projections, uh, each week. So for the Thursday night game, and I post this in our, in our discord every week. So for the Thursday night game and then, you know, all the Island games and then our, my prop column, but we have Miles Gaskin, um, receptions over as one of our top ones. And then we have rushing and a half um, as a, one of our other top bets here. Um, and so I think that it's, it's interesting enough. I, his role is kind of, I don't really think it's super secure. So it's kind of tough for me to bet on him, but I would lean towards rushing yards under. I think that's a, could be a good play here just because even though he's seen a lot of time, like at some point you got to think that Jordan Howard and Matt Brady are going to see time here. So, I mean, for me, it, it's tough for me to play to play this too much, even though our projections I think are, are good. This is just a really uncertain situation here. So I'm not, I'm not really super excited about it either way. Um, I'd probably lean towards under on miles Gaston's rushing yards. So. All right. That wraps up the games part. Usually at this point, I usually have a teaser for you, really fishy teaser that I let you shoot holes in. Um, there's really not a lot out there this week with kind of how the lines are. It's not really a great teaser week unless you're on a bunch of dogs. I, Connor and I spent a lot of time last week just chatting, talking about the alt lines that are out there. Um, I just want to bring your attention to that too. If you're not really familiar in navigating these sites, uh, you don't even have to tease the game specifically. You can literally pick, especially on DraftKings in particular, like you can pick whatever spread, whatever total uh, you want and create some really interesting parlays through that. So uh, look for that. If you have questions, shoot us messages. Uh, I know that obviously betting parlays and teasers and exotics like that can be complicated. They're not long-term, you know, plus EV plays, but they are definitely fun ways to sprinkle in some fun exposure uh, while you're watching football on Sunday. So uh, that does it for this week's show. TJ, you're the man. Thanks so much for joining us. Tell everyone again. I, I know they know, but let them know where they can find all your stuff. Yeah. Uh, Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Uh, everything else is at uh, four for four. Connor mentioned the, uh, the discord. I know you guys have been in there dropping some good knowledge. Uh, while I'm doing my weekly research, even though I, I live in the DFS channel, um, if I find something fun or interesting, I'll always drop by the prop channel and drop in a, a little knowledge or a little spreadsheet action in there. So like, like Connor talked about running our projections against the props, I think is one of the easiest ways just kind of get your, uh, your mind wrapped around what some good spots are. So a lot of stuff going on over, over in the discord and on four for four and, uh, yeah, just lots of uh, DFS action, obviously. Love it. So check out TJ's pod DFS MVP. It'll be in your uh, inbox in the morning. And again, uh, thanks for listening. We are available again. We're on Spotify this year. That's new for us. And again, don't forget YouTube, uh, Twitch, Periscope. You can find us all over the place. So for TJ and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll be back next week to do it all again in week four. Thanks for listening.